Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Sure Top Roofing presents the Carolina Contractor with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF Roofing, shingles and materials. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply and Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And welcome again to another edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. I'm Eric Smith with your host as usual, Donnie Blanchard from SureTop Roofing. How you doing, Donnie? Having a great day. How are you, sir? Doing very well. You can go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com, to see past shows. Well, you can't really see them, but you can listen to them. That's right. And there are some videos up there, too, though. There are. You got yes, the sir. church steeple one up there. Right. If you want to download shows, you can do it right there from the website and also submit questions. We answer questions every show, and we're going to do that a little bit later. Uh, past subjects we talked about last week, we uh, ate Doritos, and we talked about <laughs> hemp wood. And other flooring products, also water alarms, uh, also epoxy garage coating and stud finding, as me and Donnie said, just ask our wives. Yes, sir. That's how they found their studs. <laughs> You've got a special guest today, though, Donnie, in-house. Would you like to introduce him? I would love to. Today we have Ron Cook from GAFN, and Ron is our first recurring guest. He did a show a while back, and mm-hmm. we had a large number of downloads and a lot of comments on that show, so he did a great job. And, and today we're going to talk about some new things that Ron has on the horizon with GAF, and I really appreciate you coming in today, Ron. Appreciate you having me. Thanks, Donnie. Yes, sir. All right, well, Ron, tell everybody uh, what your job title is with GAF. I'm the local territory manager for GAF. I cover from Burlington to the Outer Bank state line to state line, uh, working to develop relationships with distributors, contractors, builders, and the such, just to try to sell more shingles. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this last time, but for first-time listeners, uh, GAF, where did it get its name from? I thought this was great. I say that it stands for Good Asphalt Forever, um, <laughs> but uh, actually it used to stand for General uh, Aniline Film uh, back in the day, we were a film company, and we did produce the viewfinders for yep. some of the audience that may be a little bit older and remember the viewfinders. They were produced by GAF, um, but as we've gotten out of the film business and now we're just in the uh, the roofing business. Good Asphalt Forever sounds like a tattoo that a roofer might have, don't you think? Or a punk band. Yeah, for sure. So you're in here today, Ron, because shingles, which most people, homeowners think, well, that's just that stuff that goes on my roof. There's a lot of engineering to it. There's a lot of scientific research behind it. And there's a new innovation that GAF has come out with now. And that's what we want to talk about today, right? Yes, that's definitely one thing that we want to touch on. And what I want to ask Donnie, you know, from from a roofer, what is your biggest concern with the installation of shingles, Donnie? I'm at the mercy of the guys in the field, and I have crew leaders with a lot of experience, and they have guys who are trained at different levels along the way, but but pretty much I'm at the mercy of their discretion and how they see things as the right way to do it or say uh, certain aspects of the installation are more difficult than others, and there's a lot of attention to detail that goes into these 50-year warranties that you guys offer, but I'm definitely at the mercy of these guys. So uh, uh, having well-trained crews who pay attention to the specs and, and are up on their continuing education is really important to me. I 
agree with you 100%. Um, there's, we've done an independent study of roofers throughout the country, and we've determined that the, the number one concern or the number one problem for, for roofers is uh, that they're concerned with how the installers are actually installing the shingles and the placements of the mm-hmm. nails while they're actually being nailed onto the roof. Right. Through this study, we found out that 45% of the time, the, the shingle is being installed incorrectly. And so diving into that a little bit deeper with a laminated shingle, which is probably 85% of the market nowadays, a laminated shingle is a two-piece shingle where you have the front and the back of the shingle laminated together. Mm-hmm. Where those areas cross or come together is called the common bond. And in the standard shingle, it's approximately three-quarters of an inch. And we asked these installers while they're out on very steep roofs or even hanging upside down to place the nails in a three-quarter inch wide strike zone Mm -hmm. to properly install the shingles. And we're finding out that about 55% of the time they are hitting that that common bond area and install them properly, but also 45% of the time they're missing them as either nailing too low with what's called a shiner, mm-hmm. and then they have to go back, pull the nails out, pull the shingle out, and install a new shingle. Or the one of the bigger concerns is actually nailing high, mm-hmm. especially on steeper pitches. If you nail high and don't catch the back part of that shingle in the common bond, you stand the chance of the back back part of the shingle delaminating mm-hmm. and actually sliding out, especially on a steeper pitch. Just to clarify, that shiner is when you see the top of a nail head exposed where the next shingle up overlaps. So the, the nail's gone in too low and you see this reflection from the ground that catches your eye almost like glitter, but what you're seeing is a, is a nail head from something that's being nailed improperly. Yep, you're exactly right. And and it just, you know, you catch it in the right sunlight and it sparkles just like a diamond sitting up there right. on the roof and it just stands out. Then you can't ever not see it. Right. So with that, GAF's introducing some new technology. Our new shingle is going to be called the Timberline HDZ. Z stands for Strike Zone mm-hmm. Technology. Oh, I and, thought it was going to stand for zombie. Yeah, that exactly. would be cool. <laughs> so with this new technology, what we're actually doing is mechanically fusing the top and the bottom of the shingle together in that common bond area. Mm-hmm. We're not making the common bond area any larger. It's still going to be three quarters of an inch where they overlap, but they're actually going to be mechanically fused together. And the way we're accomplishing that is during the manufacturing process when the shingles are still warm, the asphalt is still warm, we're actually pushing the bottom part of the shingle into the top part of a shingle, basically punching mm-hmm. uh, that and pushing that bottom part into the top part. One thing that comes to mind is, you know, we're getting very close to Christmas and with kids' toys and even with tools nowadays, they come wrapped in that hard plastic. Right. And, you know, you're trying to get that hard plastic off, and it's very hard to do, so you either have to get a pair of scissors or a knife to cut it out. Which I can never find. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And if you'll notice on the sides, there are dimples where actually the bottom right. part of that plastic is pushed into the top part and actually locks it together. Well, we're basically using that same technology uh, in the shingle world and actually mechanically fusing the two together, the top and the bottom of the shingle. So what that is going to accomplish is, one, it's going to give us a wider nailing zone, strike zone, Mm -hmm. which is now instead of three-quarters of an inch, is going to be 1.8 inches wide. Wow. 
and also it's going to take away the possibility of delamination. Mm-hmm. Now, on our very steep pitch roofs, like a mastered roof, which um, you know is kind of a barn style, basically right. vertical wall, uh-huh. um, we still do uh, require you to hit that common bond area on that installation. But on uh, you know a shingle pitch, this may be ten, twelve, or eleven, twelve. That is not required any longer, and so it takes away the opportunity for that back part of that shingle to delaminate and slide out. Going back to the question that you asked me earlier, when you're relying on some guys in the field, and like Ron said, you could be hanging from a rope or hanging upside down even depending on the pitch, you know, to have a strike zone 1.81 inches versus three quarters of an inch, I mean, that's more than double. So that's really strong, and that's something I feel like the installers are going to like as well. We agree. I mean, it's been very well received out in the market. Um, so far, we've tested it down in in the South Carolina market and been very, very, very well received down there. As far as uh, with the installers, they like the wider nail zone. They feel very confident they can hit that. Actually, I went up to our corporate office about a month ago and did some training, and we had some ladies come in from customer service to actually install some shingles with us in the lab there. And um, these ladies had no prior experience with a nail gun, didn't even really know what a nail gun was. And uh, with this new technology and with the wider nail line, they hit that strike zone every time. I'd like to see that video. We're, we're finding out <laughs> that uh, with this new strike zone technology and 1.8 inch wide nail zone, that uh, that area has been hit 99.9% of the time now versus with the standard shingle or our old shingle where they were only being hit 55% of the time. So the contractor who's installing these has a wider target. Does it have any other benefits in the install for the contractor putting these shingles in? Uh, yes, it is going to make things go faster as well because the installer will be able to, you know, with things that are bigger, they're just going to be able to hit that a lot easier than hit the smaller nail zone, for one. Also, it's going to assure that the nail is in the proper place from a warranty standpoint, whereas before when you had three-quarters of an, of an inch nail zone, and you miss that common bond area and actually nail it high, there's a very strong chance that the warranty would not be covered Mm. because it was not properly installed. Therefore, the wind warranty would stand a chance of not being covered. So you take the margin for error out of the warranty claim process, so to speak. And if you can't hit a 1.8 inch wide strip, then, you know, maybe need to find a new crew leader. But uh, another thing that jumps out to me is we get the question about hand nailing all the time. And what we comment on is that hand nailing is not inferior to gun nailing if you adjust the pressure on your gun. So I'd say that it gives the exact same outcome. Mm-hmm. But the other thing with hand nailing, it is a slower process. So aiming for that three quarter inch common bond on the older shingle versus taking a gun and shooting through that, that 1.8 inch nail zone, I think that that's a, a lot better for the installer. And from a marketing standpoint, the installers like it better, and that makes me like it better because my guys are happier in the field. And I think with the benefit that it gives the homeowner for less margin for error on the warranty, I mean, it hits everybody all the way around. Exactly. Uh, and that, touching back on the hand nail versus the gun nail, it's very common out there that it, it is felt that the hand nail is always a better install. Uh, and I'm going to disagree with that in that hand nail is a very good process. Don't want to change that. But also from a gun nailing stand, standpoint, just like you had mentioned, as long as the guys are regulating the pressure on their guns, mm-hmm. and it just came to my attention the other day that there's actually some adjustment right on the gun itself it is. that you don't have to go down to the tank and necessarily adjust it there that you can actually adjust a little bit mm-hmm. right there on the gun itself and they don't even have to leave the rooftop. I gave the example that I trust a pneumatic nailer over a tired forearm on a 95 right. degree day, you know, hanging from a rope all day long. And uh, if you've ever been through the process and saw what these guys look like at the end of a hot summer day, you know, you, a nail gun's not a bad thing. And do you think that the hand nailing 
is more of a boutique thing that people just like to be able to say because it costs more and is a, a pricier option, isn't it? I think so. Yes, sir. And it's and it's normally it's becoming tougher and tougher and tougher to find a crew that does hand nailing as well. Just not economical. No, not at all. All right. So are these shingles? We're talking with Ron from GAF. The the GAF Timberline HDZ shingles. Are these now available for purchase? You said you're testing them. Are they going to hit the market soon? We have started producing the Timberline HDZ product in all of our plants. It will be coming out on a rolling basis. So as we run out of a color of Timberline HD shingle, then it will be replaced with a Timberline HDZ shingle. And the good thing with it, there's no change aesthetically. The colors are not changing. The exposure is not changing. So if you did have to go and make a repair to a Timberline HD roof that was installed three, four, five years ago, you can use the Timberline HDZ shingle to make that repair and replace it, and it would match just fine. Okay, Ron, that drives me to a question that a homeowner might have. Let's say I have a GAF Timberline HD shingle roof, and I've had damage to it, and it's five years old, branch goes through it, and I've got to have like a four by four section replaced. And Will this new HDZ shingle be compatible? Will it look the same aside from color? Will it fit in and everything? Yes, it's exactly the same size. We're not changing, you know, the width of the shingle at all. Um, the exposure is still exactly the same size of five and three eighths. That's not changing. And again, the colors aren't changing. So it would you'd be able to make that repair pretty readily available. Yes. Now let's be honest here. I'm assuming then the big difference here is going to be price. This is going to be a lot more expensive for the homeowner to get in the new high-tech shingle, right? Actually, surprise, surprise, it is not. It, um, it's going to be priced at the same as far as where the Timberline HD is currently, so there will be no increase in the price because of this new technology. And the warranty the same, too? The warranty will be exactly the same, correct. So we're getting a shingle here that is easier to install for people like you, Donnie, yep. right? But for the homeowner, they're getting a great product, that, actually a better product, same warranty, no price change. It's compatible with the old ones that they have, they have to have replacement. So there's literally no downside for a homeowner to go that way, right? No, no. and it, it, to me, it adds a tremendous amount of peace of mind to the homeowner because now with a 1.8 inch wide nail zone, um, they f- can be, feel very confident that it is installed correctly. So therefore, it's going to give them the peace of mind. The opportunity of the shingle delaminating and the bottom part sliding out is going to no longer exist. Mm-hmm. So it just gives the, the homeowner a lot more confidence in the product that's on their roof. The one thing it made me want to touch on is wind warranty. It seems like with these being mechanically attached that the wind warranty would go up. And I know you said that it stays the same right around that 130 mile an hour rating. But um, didn't you mention to me that when these shingles overlap, it is a sealer to sealer connection versus sealer to asphalt? Is that right? Well, the other difference um, that we're doing with this shingle is we have what's called a fines line, mm-hmm. and a fines line is is smaller granules that have been crushed up mm-hmm. than our the standard shingle that has larger larger granules. So, on a standard shingle, when the top shingle comes down on top of the lower shingle, you have the asphalt or the sealant sealing down uh, to granules, kind of like. Um, um, you know, walking outside in your gravel driveway. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you'll step on it and kind of slip a little bit. So, so that's kind of the adhesion you're going to have from asphalt to granules. Okay. Now, with the Timberline HDZ, we'll actually have that asphalt adhering directly to asphalt. So then it would be just like walking outside in 
an asphalt parking lot and you don't slip on that. There's no slip and slide. So again, from a wind standpoint, when you've got it sealing down asphalt to asphalt is going to be a tremendously better seal and locking that together than when you're sealing down um, asphalt to granules. That'd be super beneficial a little further east down at the coast, you know, and they've had several windstorms after the hurricane that have taken shingles off. And um, I don't think it matters how many nails per shingle. If you're right there on the beach front, you know, you can use all the help you can get with uh, sealer to sealer connection, like you mentioned. And another thing I had on my mind is, um, do you think the competition is going to follow suit with this or? Fortunately, right now we do have a patent on this process, on this process. So I don't see how they can, you know, basically come out and copy mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Do I feel like that somehow or another they'll make some changes to their shingle to, to possibly try to address some of this? Sure. I'm sure they will, but it'll be some time down the road. And again, with this, this process being patented, they're, they're not going to be able to come in and mechanically fuse the back to the front of the shingle. And what we're talking about is the GAF Timberline HDZ shingle. And for the homeowner, if you just tuned in, this shingle is easier for the contractor to install. The warranty is the same. It looks the same. It's completely compatible. If you already have Timberline HD shingles on your house, you need repairs. This fits right in, so you don't have to worry about mismatching. But just overall, it's going to make it a more secure shingle that lasts longer on your roof and is less likely to come off due to wind or other reasons, correct? Right. Also cuts down on the potential warranty claims you might have from shiners or high nailing and things that we run into in our world. And when you said that it goes on easier, if it gets dark at five o'clock and we have to come back the next day for two hours worth of work where this shingle might speed us up and allow us to finish after daylight savings time, then we pass that discount on to the homeowner. So technically with just the right size roof and the right time of year, you know, it could actually save you money. Ron, is there somewhere a listener can go to get more information on the shingle or should they contact SureTop Roofing. I definitely would call uh, Donnie and his team at SureTop with the sales guys and the installers that he has uh, working with him. There's no doubt that that would be a great avenue for the homeowner to turn to, uh, but also the homeowner could go directly to GAF.com and check out our website, which would have all this information and more as well. All right. This is the Carolina Contractor Show. And coming up next, we're going to do questions from listeners. And I would like you to stay along. You can, you can chime in on these yep, questions. I'll hang out. I got one for Don, for Donnie. Oh, good. We, we've never done that. We've Bring never it had on. someone from JF ask Donnie oh, the I'm question. The seat. If you have a question you want to submit, hit the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Hang on. We'll be back with more of the Carolina Contractor presented by Sure Top Roofing. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome back to the Carolina Contractor with your host, Donnie Blanchard, presented by SureTop Roofing. It's my favorite part of the Carolina Contractor Show, and that is answering questions from people like you that submitted them at the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. You're going to see a little form there to fill out and answer your question. Donnie reads them all, answers them all. We like to take the best ones and answer them on the air. And today, Ron from GAF is here, so he's going to chime in. Do we want to do his question first, or we want to do a listener question first? Uh, I'm good either way. Question number one to the Carolina Contractor. My dad always told me not to let a tape measure slam when it retracts. 
Does uh, that really damage the tape? Yeah, so this is a neat question. We normally uh, don't get questions from students, but this guy's a college student, construction major, so thanks for the question. If you are not a trim carpenter and you're not cutting crown mold, it's probably not important that your tape be in pristine condition. But um, you can damage a tape. So if you've got a 25- or a 30-foot tape and you let that thing reel in, you know, the force there, number one, will hurt your finger if your finger gets caught in there. But um, you could actually damage the end of the tape, which is called the hook. So if you'll look on most tape measures, the hook is fastened by a little rivet, what it looks like a rivet, but that hook has a little bit of play in it, and it doesn't feel like much play, but it almost feels like it may be broken or detached slightly. Mm -hmm. That's for a reason, and the reason is if you pull a tape measure on, you know, say a piece of wood, and you pull from the end, you're taking the back side of that hook to the inch increment that you are attempting to cut there. So that gives you the exact inch increment. So Say you're going to measure an inside measurement. If you go inside of a cabinet, say you're going to cut a uh, piece of fabric to put inside of a china cabinet or something, when you stick your tape measure in there and you butt it up against a solid object, that little hook is going to give what feels like about a sixteenth of an inch. The give in that hook is actually equal to the width of that hook. So what you're doing when you take an inside measurement is jamming that hook as tight as it will go, and that will give you an accurate reading on the inch increment for an inside measurement. So Very good. Yep. I didn't know that. The play is for a reason. People are smart. <laughs> All right, Ron, you're up to bat. Well, Donnie, uh, my question is, it actually comes from when I called you two Saturdays ago <laughs> and um, had my back door uh, from my inside of my house to my garage. I couldn't, the door would not open. And um, so I called the Carolina contractor looking for an explanation <laughs> of how to fix this. Oh, me. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out for us this time. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we did learn a thing or two. And uh, the, the issue was the fact that the, the latch had it locked itself into the wall and could not get the latch out. I had removed the um, the doorknob, both the inside and out, but I still could not get that latch out. So I said, okay, well, let's call Donnie. I'm sure he's got a fix for this. So I'm out in the yard. I'm doing a, a little retaining wall because we're putting a slide up on the treehouse for my girls. And um, Ron calls in the middle, and, of course, I bought myself some time. I said, well, send me a picture. You know, that always helps. But I did do that to buy time because I thought, hmm, this is a head scratcher. I don't really know. And um, I told Ron that what I would recommend is you want to create some separation between the strike plate and the latch. So I said, do you have an axe, Ron? And he I said, do you have yep, neighbors have that mind you walking around with an axe? <laughs> Here's no. Johnny. Yeah. And uh, I said, so see if you can wedge that axe in there and create enough separation so that that latch will let go. And if it, you know, you're breaking that jam or if you're breaking the trim, you know, just pull back. And uh, of course the axe didn't work. So uh, in hindsight, maybe two axes, but I don't think most people <laughs> have that around. And um, Ron, you ended up having to call a locksmith and what did he do about that yep i did i uh, called a local locksmith and fortunately he got there in about 20 minutes and in about two minutes uh he had had the door unlatched and what he did was actually take um, a couple of little things that look like inflatable shims inflatable shims they look like little pillows to me mm -hmm. and he put one underneath the latch and one above the latch and then pump pumped them up and it actually caused a separation mm -hmm. to the point where the latch just actually released and mm -hmm. kicked out. I didn't even know inflatable shims were a thing. And coincidentally, the week before Ryan called me, I did walk by in Home Depot and I saw a couple of those laying down and a couple were pumped up and a couple were flat. But um, the, the way that that works is that when you install a door, especially an exterior door, you always butt the hinge side up to the uh, studs. So when the door is being installed, you're screwing the hinge side, which the door primarily hangs from to a stud. On the other side, if it's a rough opening for a 36-inch door, 
that means you probably have a 38-inch rough opening. So usually where the guy put the inflatable shims on the top and bottom of the latch, I'm sorry, the top and the bottom of the strike plate, there's usually some play behind that jam. So you can inflate those shims and it will bend the wood without breaking it, if that makes sense. But after you told me that uh, I uh, shot and missed, I uh, thought, well, what else could we have done? And I didn't think about it until after you'd already paid the guy. But Maybe popping the hinge pins out may have been a solution. You know, uh, just taking a screwdriver and a hammer and knocking the hinge pins out of the hinges and you could have pulled the door from the opposite side. But I was on the hot seat and you were ready to get that door open and I just froze. Yep. So it, uh, it did end up costing me, uh, I think it was 75 bucks and he spent a total of about 10 minutes, two to get the door open, about five to, to replace the latch. And then about three minutes to write me up a ticket. So yeah, I paid him right about, on the spot. You know, $800 an hour or something. That $70 of that 75 was knowing what to do. That's it. We said that before. Yep. Exactly right. All right, let's go to another question submitted to the Carolina contractor. Is WD-40 safe to use for house hacks? And it depends on the house hack. Mm. But um, WD-40 is is fascinating. If you read about it, it just it's good for... So many things I won't be able to cover them in a short show, but the abbreviation WD-40 actually stands for water displacement and the 40th formula. So I think you made the joke that how many times did it take it Heinz to get 30, the catch up? Yeah, and here it only took them 39 times to get the formula right. Right, right. The 40th attempt to create the product, of course, uh, yielded what we have today, and the spray is made of several hydrocarbons, and, and basically that was designed to be used by Conveyor, who was a uh, military aircraft manufacturer back in the 40s uh, to protect the outer skin of an Atlas missile from rust and corrosion. So um, basically uh, something similar to what we'd use it for today, just on a higher tech level there. Uh, the best example I can think of for what it does when it displaces the water is you can actually waterproof your boots with WD-40. So if you spray the WD-40, a generous coating on your boots, it won't let the water penetrate uh, whatever skin the boots are made of. So it displaces the water. Well, isn't WD-40 a cleaner? Um, it So it's debatable. It could be a lubricant. It could be a cleaner. What I always thought WD-40 was was something to fix squeaky you know, door yeah. hinges or things like that. But um, it's actually a true lubricant. So the water displacing property's main use is a solvent or a rust dissolver. So the lubricant property of the WD-40 doesn't come from the substance itself, but from the dissolving components that are in the formula. You have a bolt and it's rusty. You can't get it yep. off. You spray a little WD-40. It. It's inside that formula. It starts to break down the it rust, I guess. It down. That's okay. exactly right. That's exactly right. Something I read about that was interesting when I looked into this question is that uh, the normal propellant used in WD-40 is actually outlawed in California. I did not know that. Uh, they replaced the propane with the carbon dioxide for the California market. So completely changed the way that it's made so it can be sold there. And uh, they said that the propane is registered as a, a volatile organic chemical when it's burned. so I'll tell you what, boy, that's all lies. <laughs> Technically, they say that the propane-filled cans can explode if it's close to an electrical arc, and uh, that's something that would take the very perfect scenario to unfold, but somehow they see that as a reason to make it illegal in California. And we will off the air discuss what you can do with WD-40 in a match. Yeah. What are some of the household uses then? Well, we talked about the basics like squeaky yep. doors and taking a, the rust off a bolt. Yep. Well, garden tools are a big thing people use it for. You mentioned that you do that at your house. And mm -hmm. another thing that I didn't know until I read into this a little deeper is that use it on the handles for those garden tools. So if it's wood, it'll actually, you know, fill up some of the pores in the wood, keep it from taking on water. And, you know, that old rake that was your grandfather's that you'd like to keep around, you know, it'll certainly help you do that. You can clean tile and carpet with it. I had no idea about the carpet portion, but I saw a video on that, and it works great. Um, stainless steel sinks, if you have uh, 
pesky stains in there. It's good for that. Uh, you can unstick gum. So uh, I don't know how my daughters would react if I said, come here and let me spray some WD-40 in your hair, sweetheart. But, um, you know, whatever works. Uh, you can erase crayons. You have small children. It works great for that. Of course, we mentioned earlier squeaky hinges. It's perfect for that. You know, when your children are small and you think everybody's asleep and you go to open the door and it wakes the whole house up, you know, a can of WD-40 solving that and getting some extra rest for mom and dad is a no-brainer. But um, one thing I'm going to try is uh, we have a problem with a couple of areas of our house where wasp like to build nests. And it said that if you spray the WD-40 in the crevice or corner or overhang, that they will not be able to build a nest there. So we'll see how that works come spring. We have a summer project coming up. Yeah, for sure. What else um, you got? Baseball gloves. So if oh, you yeah. want to make a trip to the store to you know get that $10 uh, glove oil, you know WD-40 will work just as well. And uh, it's great for cleaning toilets because I guess back to the water displacement property, you, know, you spray it on the toilet and it works better than most toilet cleaners. Now, I haven't tried that, but I, I did ask my wife and she said, we'll see. Well, Donnie, do either you or Ron know if the whole thing about WD-40, you hear mechanics saying it relieves the arthritis and people ask, should I use that for joint pain? Does anybody know? No. A disclaimer online says that you should not use it on your skin, that it will irritate your skin. So maybe that worked for some people, but I don't recommend that. Yeah. Speaking of toilets, real quick, yeah. you said you had a someone call you with a question mm-hmm. about a toilet uh, yep. on the way here. Yep, they replaced their toilet, and um, basically they said, do we caulk the base of this toilet? So right where the toilet meets the tile, I guess there, of course, there's grout joints, and the, the levels from the tile and the grout joints are up and down. And um, in a wet area like that, if the bathtub is close to the toilet, I could see where you could have some splash, and hopefully no splash from the toilet, but mm-hmm. splash from the bathtub, and that could get under the toilet. It makes a nasty stain or just a mark under there and they said can we caulk it so the answer is no um you you can of course but you you run the risk of if you have a toilet leak that will go undiscovered for a long time so i'll paint you a picture in saying that if you have a first floor bathroom and you have a leak that evolves in that toilet base or say it's somewhere below the tank but it escapes below the base of the toilet if you don't have caulk you'll see that toilet leak run out on the floor if you do have it caulked then more than likely that's going to run down into your floor system and into the crawl space, and you'll never know it until, you know, heaven forbid, you go to sit on the mm-hmm. toilet and you go through the floor into the crawl space, and that's not pretty. So you definitely don't want to caulk the toilet just in case you ever have a leak. All right. If you have a question for Donnie, go to thecarolinacontractor.com, submit your question there. He'll try to answer it. And again, we like to answer several of them each week. And if you want more information on the GAF Timberline HDZ shingles that Ron was talking about, you can contact Donnie or get more information at the website, which was GAF.com. That is correct. All right. We'll put all this information up on the site and also make some pictures. You got pictures of the new shingles, Donnie? We do. Yes, sir. We'll put those up at thecarolinacontractor.com. If you have any needs for your roof to be repaired or you want to get these new HDZ shingles on your roof, visit SureTopRoofing.com and let Donnie and his crew come out. They can check your roof. They can determine if you need a new roof, if you just need repairs, or the best thing Donnie can say is what? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Carolina Contractor, presented by SureTop Roofing. Brought to you by GAF Roofing, Shingles and Materials. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply and Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Submit your questions online at thecarolinacontractor.com and tune in next Saturday as we continue to help make your home great again.
Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.